couple verses, and then we'll be finished uh, here this morning. According to my calculations, it's ten after. We should be through at a quarter till. You marking that down? Why are you laughing, Dustin? Mark it down. Amen. See, if y'all will listen fast, I will preach fast. Amen. All right. My calculator sometimes skips a beat, too, so we're going to keep that into consideration. Amen? But we're going we're to do what we can uh, uh, to get the truth and get it. Amen? I, 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 I don't care uh, 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 what you get out of this. As long as you decide in your heart when you leave here, you know what's important. You know what's important. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 1. If you're glad to be here, say amen. amen. If you are in Luke 15, verse 1, say amen. amen. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners. How many of them? All. all of them. All for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now all I got to say right there is thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Amen. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he... And when he has found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, you need to understand something. This is not a backslidden Christian he's going out there to find. This is talking about a lost person. He's in reference to lost. We're going to see a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. A son that has left the fold. Now, I'm telling you, this is, not, this is not in reference to a backslidden Christian. And the point I'm making is this, is because the church shouldn't have to spend time hunting you down, petting you on the back, putting a pacifier in your mouth to get you back where you're supposed to be. I need a witness. There are way too many lost people out there who are in need of being found, who are in need of hearing the gospel, while we're babying everybody else that should have their ducks in a row and be where they're supposed to be, while people are dying and going to hell. It's no difference than, listen, uh, people calling in false alarms to the fire department while they're over here with this false alarm. This man's house is burning to the ground. I need a witness. This is in reference to a lost person. Now, he goes on to say, either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, there's two things here, verse 7 and verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God, over one sinner that repenteth. Now, there's two times we see that statement. Two times God is reinforcing the fact that the angels in heaven do cartwheels when a person gets saved. Are y'all with me so far? Now, I'm not going to spend the time reading the last one. You've heard it so many times, but I want you to skip down to verse 25. We know about the prodigal son. We know he left and, and, and wasted his substance on riotous living. Right, now, listen, this is, the, this is the application of this point. There were two things that were lost. One was lost on the outside of the fold, and then there were two things that were lost on the inside. 
Now, this prodigal son, we, in reference, everybody thinks that story in parable is about the prodigal son. Every preacher, every teacher will teach primarily on the prodigal son. But you need to go in that chapter and find out who is Jesus, he, who is he addressing? He's addressing the Pharisees. He's addressing their attitude of Jesus spending most of his time with sinners. So he is in reference to them, and the story is not about the prodigal. It's about the older brother that had an attitude. Amen. You'll see it in just a second. Verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. We know the prodigal went, wasted his substance on riotous living. He came back home, said, look, just make me a servant. His father celebrated, said, "Woohoo! my son which was dead is now alive again. He killed the fatted calf, put a robe about him, put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And son, they was partaying. Say amen. They was having a big time to the point that they could be heard out in the field. Well, the older brother came, said, what in the world's going on? Verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. He was angry. Now before you get on your high horse and start condemning him, be careful, because I'm going to apply that in just a minute. And you may have had the same attitude in this place right here. He was angry and would not go in. Oh, I'm not going to take part. I don't like it. I'm just not going to do what y'all are doing. Mm. Would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve you. Neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. Now, that's a lie. It's amazing how when we want to build up our story, how we'll fabricate things. You can't tell me he never did one thing wrong in his father's house. Are y'all with me? Why are y'all so quiet this morning? Y'all with me still? Everybody still with me? And yet, watch what he says. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friend. And he said unto him, Son, Let me me go back to verse 30. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed him the fatty calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meat. In other words, it was right. It was just that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is. Dear Heavenly Father, help us today. Lord, Help me not to get in the flesh. I'm begging you right now. I prayed that last night. I prayed it earlier. And, Lord, I pray right now that everything I say will be spiritual. I pray that it will be led by the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every heart, every ear that hears this word will take it and let it transform their life. Lord, there needs to be a shift in attitude. There needs to be a transformation in the way we think and what we do and how we operate. And, God, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you've enjoyed being here so far, say amen. I want to share with you just a few thoughts this morning on the subject, the sinner seeking Savior. Say that with me. The sinner seeking Savior. Say it again. The the sinner seeking Savior. Uh, If we are the body of Christ, do you realize the body of Christ, we we need to think literally in those terms 
that we are his body. We are to continue what he started when he left this earth. When what he was doing, we need to be doing. How he thought, we need to think. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Are y'all with me? Everything he did, everything he was, everything, uh, how he operated and what he thought, how he treated people and how he looked for people, the church today should be doing the exact same thing. Now, if you agree with that, say amen. That's a no-brainer, isn't it? That's, I mean, we shouldn't even have to vote on something like that. I mean, we shouldn't even have to come up with a, with a conclusion, that anything different than that fact. We are the church. We are Christ here on this earth. The only thing that lost people who do not know God, who do not know Christ, the only Christ they'll ever see is you and me. And if that is the case, we need to figure out what's important. Because there are so many agendas in the church. There are so many church people who have their own opinions. They have their own theories. They have their own agendas. And it has nothing whatsoever to do with a sinner seeking Savior. He was a sinner seeking Savior. He had an agenda. He had a plan. He had a calling. He had a destiny. He said, I did not come for the well. I came for the sick. It is the sick that need a physician. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost i have a purpose in this world i have a purpose in life i have come to seek the lost and find them in need are y'all with me so far sinner seeking savior that's what we're supposed to be there was a few things in this chapter that struck out at me and, and just jumped off the pages that i want to share with you and we have got to get these in our church i have found out and, and lord has really spoke to me about this that we, we struggle for so long with trying to get help to do this ministry and that ministry to keep this program running and to get that program running. And for some reason, we have got a, a, an issue with getting people to get involved and, and so forth and so on. And God said the problem is not whether you're a good recruiter or not. The problem is we have bad attitudes because attitudes affect activity. And if our attitude is not right, if our attitude and, and, and what we have in our heart and our expectation is not right, then we're not going to do the other stuff. If we do not see sinners and first-time attenders and visitors and those that are on the outside like Jesus did, we're never going to treat them like Jesus did. And the problem is that we are so inward-focused. We are so focused on the inside. We're so focused toward ourselves. We're so focused when we come to church, it's about what I want. It's about what I need. It's about somebody meeting my needs. And that is not the sinner seeking Savior. He said, I did not come to be ministered to, but I came to be ministered. I came to minister to others. I am a servant. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't say, come, somebody come wash my feet. He got down and washed their feet. He didn't say, somebody give me something to eat. He went out and prepared meals for others. He is always, his focus was on others. And churches are dying today because their focus is on themselves and not on the outside. If your focus stays on the inward, you will die an agonizing death because you'll never have an influx of new blood and new people. Are y'all with me? So what about this chapter was so intriguing to me, I want to share with you. Number one, something I've seen here was incredible. Number one, I want you to notice the atmosphere that he created. Do you realize there needs to be an atmosphere here at Temple? 
It needs to be the same atmosphere. We need to create the same atmosphere here at Temple that Jesus had all around him all the time. Say, what kind of atmosphere was that? It was, don't write this part, this just, you can put it to the side. It was an attractive atmosphere. Why? How you know it was attractive? Because there was always people around him. He went to one place. He went to one place, and the Bible says in Mark chapter 2 that it was noised abroad that he was in the house, and there were so many gathered together, you couldn't even get in the door. Now, I've never seen unattractive people attract people, have you? Hello? Are y'all with me? Oh, that's not politically correct. I don't care. I've never seen unattractive people attract people, have you? I've never seen people that were irritable and bitter and always having a problem, negative and pessimistic all the time. I've never seen them attract crowds. But you get that old boy that's just so happy he can't help it, and he just loves life and everybody else, and he just loves people. He's going to have somebody with him all the time because people are attracted to that. They asked, they asked uh, D.L. Moody was running a Sunday school, and there was a young fella. There was a young fella who lived a long ways away. It was miles and miles from, from D.L. Moody's Sunday school, and, and he passed probably two or three churches and two or three Sunday schools to get to D.L. Moody's place. And they said, son, why in the world are you going so far to go to Sunday school? He said, because they love a fella down there. Did y'all catch that? He was willing to pass up three to go to one that loves, and he felt loves people. Amen. What made, what made the atmosphere around Christ so attractive that made people flock to him? The Bible says, then drew near all the publicans and sinners. Now watch this. This is something we got to be careful because too many churches have this problem. They want to make an atmosphere that's attractive to the Pharisee. And there's way too many churches that are trying to make atmospheres that will attract other church people. And here's the problem with that. The reason you're going to get somebody else's church people is because they've had a problem with them people. And if they come to your church, they're going to bring their problem to you, and it's your problem now. I don't want that. You don't want that. We shouldn't make an atmosphere that's attractive to the Pharisee. We shouldn't make an atmosphere that's just attractive to save folk. It needs to be attractive to the publican and the sinner. It needs to be inside. Now, I'm not talking about watering down nothing. Now, y'all know better than me. Y'all get your halos off the top of your head and put them in your pocket. I'm a pastor this morning, all right? Y'all know me better than that, and I'm not watering down nothing, the message or nothing else, and we're not going to get worldly and not going to bring the world into church and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, we need to make it where the, listen, the person out on the street who don't know Jesus maybe have a little bourbon on his breath and come in here and feel welcome. I'm talking about from the time he pulls onto the parking lot to the time he leaves, he knows, listen, I might not be lining up with everything they're talking about, but them, poor, them people there, they show love a feller. You know what made Christ's atmosphere so attractive? Look at this, write this down. Because of the attention that he gave. These Pharisees over here, they thought they were somebody. They thought everybody ought to bow down to them. They thought everybody ought to be paying them attention. And when Jesus came around, everybody left them and went to him. And Jesus was always in their house eating with them. He was always at their wedding celebrating with them. He was always down in the gutter helping them. He was down there with the blind, the poor, and the maimed. He was always there giving all his attention to them. Now, how do you know that? 
because Jesus said this parable to get their attention. And that parable, that boy, that older brother said, you ain't never done this for me. And you know what them Pharisees, we you know what they were really saying? I don't know why he won't spend no time with us. Because they're jerks. That's why. They're the type of people, if you don't comb your hair just like mine, if you don't have your, your tie on just like mine, if you don't have a tie on, if you don't, then you're not right with God. Horse. Why? Where, where, what chapter do you find that in? It's not there. Jesus had an atmosphere of acceptance. That word, did you, did you see the... Did you see the criticism that he gave? They said, he receiveth sinners. Say that with me. He receiveth. Look up that word. I dare you. Look it up in your concordance. It's a threefold word. It means to allow. It means to accept. And it means to await. Await. Jesus was not getting around them thinking, well, I'm just, just forget about them. They're just going to be who they are. He knew. He knew that if they spent any time in his presence, something was going to change. And sometimes we need to get in our head. They don't have to look just like us. They don't have to like what we like. They don't have to be what we are all the time. Man, just let them be what they are and give God a chance to work on them. Because I got news for you. You wasn't everything you were supposed to be when God found you. You still had scales on you. You still had fins on you. Listen, no fish gets clean when it gets on the hook. Sometimes there's a little attention needs to be put to it. I need a witness. And God didn't call you to clean nobody. God called you to catch them. We're fishers of men. Man, ain't we having enough time this morning. We got to change our attitude. We got to change our thought process of what we think is important. Whether you get what you need is not necessarily as important as getting them out of hell. I need a witness. An atmosphere he created. Now let me say this. That is not an automatic atmosphere. Oh yeah. I've lost about a quarter of you already. But I'm going to hoe it till it's done. Amen. Listen, this this doesn't come automatic. Because in our own nature, we're selfish. I want what I want, and I want it now. I'm not going to tell no lie. I'm selfish when it comes to things. I just want my way. When I'm sick, I want Tammy to baby me. When she's sick, I need somebody to come help her with that problem. Amen? Amen. Now, all y'all men laugh. You know, you, you know you're the same way. Oh, we just get so pitiful. Oh, baby, I don't feel good. You know? And I mean, they have to be, they have double pneumonia and giving birth. Say amen. I mean, that's what they, we expect them to do so much because we're selfish. In our own nature, we want what we want. But we have got to change that. We have got to do something about that. Do you realize Temple wasn't like this when we first started? There's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of effort made to create an atmosphere. We've got to change our attitudes. If we don't change our attitudes, we will not change the atmosphere. I'll give you an illustration. It's, I, I'm, trying to, I'm, trying to, uh, I'm trying to be out there greeting our first-timers and, and welcoming them, and 52 church members won't tell me about the fish they caught. Now, that's okay. I'm, 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 I dig that because I like fishing. I like talking about fishing. But listen, we need to set aside our fellowship time so we can welcome them that don't know Jesus. And I've got to wade through people to get, are y'all with me? I, I, listen, listen, I'm not getting on to nobody. I'm just showing where we are. 
and what we've got to change because our focus is on ourselves, and we have got to change that because if we don't, we're never going to create the atmosphere that will draw sinners. I want to be attractive to sinners. I want sinners to look and drive by this road, and they may say a lot of stuff about this, but I want them to be able to say, well, they show love people down there. They're going to love us enough to tell us the truth. They're going to be loved. Listen, they're going to love us enough to be straight with us. But I tell you what, no matter if I agree with everything they do, I'm telling you, they love people down there. And we can do something about that. We can work on the atmosphere. He gave them attention. We need to learn. Let's start giving others attention. It's not just about us. Let's spend some time with others. Let's spend some time with the lost. Let's spend some time with first-time attenders. Let's spend some time and give them attention. More, more than welcome to temple. Glad you're hard. Come back and see us again. Walmart does that. How many first-timers do we have since January? How many? 392 first-timers. Isn't that great? Woo, that's cool. How many did you make a friend with? 392 first-time attenders. That is not counting Easter, where we had about 1,500 people for one weekend. We didn't even count them. 392 first-time attenders. Temple Baptist Church, a place where? Really? Out of three, now now let's all quit that mm mm-mm and all that stuff because everyone in this room is guilty. We're hearing it all over the building. And, I, and we're, what we're, you know what them mm-mm's are? That means, uh-oh, I didn't do that. That's what, that's what we're all saying from the platform all the way to the back. You know what? We need to look at that, not like just, well, we need to feel guilty about that. No, I need to do something different. 392. 392. How many did we personally make a friend out of? If a man wants friends, he must show himself. Now, who's supposed to take the initiative? All seven of you. Who's supposed to take the initiative? You know why? Because we're we're sinner-seeking saints. It's not going over real well, Brother Dole. Sinner-seeking saints. He's the sinner-seeking Savior. We're the body of Christ. You know what? We need to have... Y'all ever seen one of them submarines? You know them heat-seeking missiles? We need to be looking for them. So how do, you, how do you find one? Just find a hurt. It's simple. We make it so hard. It's not hard. People don't come here for the first time because of great singing. They never heard it. They don't come here for the first time because of great preaching. They've never heard it. They come because they got a need. Just like you and I did when we came. And when we learn to find out what that is. You know, the Bible says you have not because you. And most people are not just, well, some people will. But most people are not just going, let me just tell you about my problems. Is that going to happen, honestly? I say, look, boy, it's good to have you. Man, is there anything I can pray with you about, any need or something? I promise you this. And let me tell you about it. So how do I know that? I proved it over and over and over and over again. 
We've seen it over and over and over again. But you know how we're going to get to that, Brother Kenneth? When we change our attitude. I've seen people, I've seen people waiting on me, patting their foot, impatient because I spent too much time in the care room. Shame on you. You know where you should have been? In that care room beside me finding somebody to help. Creating an atmosphere where sinners want to come. It's a wonder why. I tell you what, there's a lot of churches I wouldn't go to. Because when I walked in there, they didn't look like they wanted me to be there. Everybody, and, and I do, and I, I tell you, I, I've, I've really bragged and, and really was proud of our church. But what, what the problem is, is we've gotten real good at being friendly, but we, we forgot about making friends. An atmosphere. How did he create such an attractive atmosphere? By the attention he gave. Then, write this down and we'll move to number two. By the acceptance he granted. Where's Brian at? Brian, you in here? Can I use you just a minute? You, you can stay right here. You don't got to move. Uh, Brian's cool as the center seat of a cucumber. I ain't lying. Boy, I'm proud of him. It's, it's, it's cool. You know, Brian, he's got, he's got jewelry. He could never make it through a metal detector. Do you all understand? And, 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 and I'm not making fun of him. He knows I love him with all my heart. I'd do anything for him. And, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of places, Brian, you wouldn't go in and feel welcome. Now, you say, why? Why is that? Well, sometimes people look different. Some, sometimes people are from a different area. Sometimes people are from a different culture. And when you go in, you know what they really need to see? Man, it's good to see you welcome. Well, I'm using you off lot today, ain't I? Amen. Man, welcome to Temple. We're so glad you're here. Not, not a cliche and not a made-up phrase, but I'm talking about from the heart. Because people know. They know whether you're being religious or whether you're being loving. Amen? I'm telling you, we need to work on this. You're receiving sinners. He said, yep. You're receiving them. Now look. Number one, what was number one? All right, Brother Don, I need you to make sure my car is warmed up and running so when I invitation, I can get out of here. Uh, and you block for me, all right? Yeah. The atmosphere he created. But then number two, watch this. Don't you see the accusation he confronted? The accusation he confronted. They, they seen Jesus spending... His time with sinners. And this was not the only time. This was not the first time this took place. I mean, this was a regular basis. They got upset with the Lord. And he told them before. He told them before and said, look, it's not the well that need a physician. It's the sick. He's, Man, they're the ones that need me the most. And really, the Pharisees needed him too, but they were too blind to see that. But watch this. I want you to see the accusation that he confronted. Write this down. Where did this accusation come from? The source of this accusation. It came from the religious people. You know who's going to have the first thing to say? When we start working and doing everything we can to welcome and have an atmosphere that welcomes a sinner. Let me tell you who's the first one's going to complain. Church people. And not necessarily this church, but other churches. 
other preachers. It's a good thing they didn't call us into the ministry, isn't it? Well, I tell you what, I wouldn't do that. Well, you're not here. You don't have to. I have never, ever, not one time have I had a sinner come up to me and say, I tell you what, I just don't like them changes you're making down there at Temple. Not one. Nary time, not one. But I've had church people do it. forget the keys are on my desk amen now listen I don't think you ought to be doing this on Sunday morning well here's the deal we got to get this or we need to just put community center over the front you're here I'm here let's just deal with it the source of the accusation came from people who should be loving people they were the ones with the Scripture. They were the ones who were supposed to know God. They were the ones who were supposed to have an attitude that was supposed to be a source and light to the world. That's what God had called them to do, and they had the biggest problem with it. Preacher, what are you saying? Be careful what accusations you make when somebody tries to reach a sinner. Be careful. Listen, the source of the accusation, but then write this down. The substance of the accusation. We need to change that color sometime. That's not a good color. I can't even see that. Make sure next time we'll, we'll do different on that color. Substance of the accusation. This is what they accused him of. They accused him of his focus, and they accused him of his fellowship. Why is your focus always on sinners? Have you ever noticed? And I went back and looked just to make sure that I was telling a true statement here. I went back and looked. And I never seen Jesus go into the Pharisees. But I did notice time and time and time again him going out of his way to reach a sinner. Listen, he was on his way one day in John chapter number 4 and said, I must needs go through Samaria. It's not on the way, but we need to get there because there is a woman who is in great need. She will be at that well, and I'm telling you, she needs to hear the gospel, and she will get saved. I'm going out of my way for that one person. He was going down his way one day, doing his thing, being Jesus and doing the Jesus thing, and all of a sudden he stopped and went out of his way and went up to a tree and seen a man by the name of Zacchaeus. and said, Zacchaeus, come down from here. I'm going to your house today and changed his life forever. He went out of his way to meet a sinner. Jesus was always going out of his way for sinners. He was always going out of his way for the broken. He was always going out of his way for the needy. He did whatever he could to reach that person in greatest need. He did whatever he could to reach the low-down, rotten sinner. I'm telling you, he was always doing that. But the only time the Pharisees would get around him is when they came with a criticism, when they came with a complaint. Don't you be a Pharisee this morning. Let's be a sinner-seeking saint. Let's go out of our way to reach a sinner. Let's go out of our way to reach a first-time attender. Let's go out of our way. Let's sacrifice our own agenda. Let's sacrifice our own attitude and say, if I got to park in the back, if I got to park in the front, if I got to stand in the rain and hold an umbrella so somebody who's never been to temple before can come in and hear the gospel in a most convenient way, I'll stand in the rain so they can get saved and trust God and believe the gospel. Let's go out of our way. I will. I'm not, I'm not telling you to climb a ladder I won't climb. 
I'll park as far out in that parking lot. I'll stand right in the middle of the rain and come down and preach the house down. I promise you, I won't ask you to do something I won't do. I'll let them come sit with me if they will, but I don't think they will. But I'll go out of my way too. I'm not asking you to do something I won't do. But I'm telling you, we've got to change our attitude. We've got to change our attitude. This is not about us. It's about reaching the lost. John Wesley. John Wesley, who started the Methodist movement, an incredible, incredibly godly person. And, and listen, the way they got their name, Methodist, is because they were so methodical in the way they did things. They were so methodical in the way they studied and trained and, and taught. And they, they nicknamed them the Methodists. This is what John Wesley said. There are few joys that match the joy of finding the lost and bringing them to the Savior. The church has nothing to do but to save souls, said John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. What work? The work of saving souls. Now, when it's all said and done, when we're standing before... Now, I'm not, I'm not criticizing any program. I'm not criticizing any fellowships, church fellowships. I'm not criticizing. I love that stuff. I love getting together and eating with the most of them. I'm telling you, I, I love it as good as anybody. But when it's all said and done and we're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, the only thing we'll have to show for it is the people we bring to heaven with us. Now, let me ask you a question. What's really important? Is it, is it important that I'm in some hobby? Is it important that I'm in some uh, a program that just... just babysits one another or is it important that I'm in something that's going to change the life of a sinner and bring them to Christ let me tell you something you know that parking lot ministry we're talking about we're working on trying to develop listen we're doing it now we started out there with, as far as the greeting team and all that do you realize that's the first step the first door that a lost person will see and take before they reach Christ we think the only thing important is these people down here at the altar. No, sir. It's that person that greets them in the parking lot and says, man, we're so glad to have you. Welcome to Temple. How long have you been going to Temple? Because that's the first face they'll see. They'll never forget the first thing they see when they pull up on the parking lot. And if they see people ignoring them, if they see people more involved in their own story than they are, caring about whether they're there or not, I promise you this, they will never forget it. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Number three. What was number one? Number two. Last of all, don't you see the attitude he corrected? I got to do this quick. Dustin's grinning. The attitude he, he corrected. He told him a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin. And a lost son. In those, in those two, in those first two, he reminded them they're doing cartwheels in heaven over a sinner to get saved. I mean, there's so much excitement, there's so much joy. Not that the ones in the fold are not important. They're important. But they're safe. But he's going to go out until he finds it. Because that lost one is important. If he don't find it, he's going to die. If he don't find it, he's going to perish. If we don't reach these first-timers, if we don't reach these lost, Brother Aaron, they're going to die and go to hell. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it more important that you're comfortable in here or is it more important that we get them out of hell? 
According to Jesus, he said they're, they're rejoicing more over one getting saved than a hundred staying right. Amen, Brother Doyle? Write this down. Two things quickly. We see the search he explained. The search he explained. The significance of this search. It's so important. Man, that woman that lost that coin, she swept the house. She lit a candle. She did not stop. She did everything. I mean, all her attention went to finding that coin. Boy, what if we here at Temple, every member of this place, all our attention was to make sure that first-timer was welcome, make sure that first-timer got what they needed, make sure that first-timer felt like this was a place that God would have them be. What if we did everything we could to find that lost person and get them to the house of God and see that lost person where they could hear the gospel and trust Christ? What if we paid that kind of attention? The significance of this search, the importance of this search, but then not only the search he explained, but look here, the selfishness he exposed. The selfishness he exposed. The Bible says, when that elder brother, and this is who, this is who he was comparing the Pharisees to. See, the story's not necessarily about the prodigal. It's about that older brother comparing them to the Pharisees. Basically what Jesus is saying in a nutshell, he's saying, look, I'm spending time with these sinners who need me and all you're doing is sucking your thumb, whining about how much time I'm giving them. Because he compared them to the Pharisees by saying this. He said, you never gave me nothing. And that's not true. But you know, so many times all we think about is ourself. All we think about is what I want. All we think about is what I like. All we think about is what's convenient for me. You know what? What if we get the attitude, it don't matter. It don't matter. I'll park down the street. It don't matter. Hey, listen, I'll sacrifice if somebody will get in. You know, some of the most intriguing things that I ever seen in my life when I was in Christian school was when missionaries would come. Missionaries would come and they would describe some of the things they would eat. And I thought, dear God, no way. I'm fasting today. But they said some of those people, those indigenous people, that if you didn't eat what they offered you, you would offend them. And you would not be able to get the gospel to them if you didn't do what they did. Now, I'm talking about stuff that Jesus wouldn't eat. Say amen. But they did it to reach that person. And we come so spoiled. Well, I tell you what, I just, I don't, I don't, I, 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 that's the problem. I, 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 I. Joy, Jesus, others, then you. I don't know why I'm not attracted to nobody. I'll give you a hint. Because it's about you and it's not about them. Then drew near. All the publicans and sinners. Pop, wouldn't it be cool to be such an attractive place that people want to come? And it says, for to hear him. See, it wasn't the gospel that attracted them. See, that's new. I didn't have that in the notes. They came to hear the gospel, but that's not what attracted them. It's his attitude toward them that attracted them. And his acceptance of them. Because, see, the Pharisees wouldn't spit on them if they was on fire. And they knew it. They said, they love a feller down there. 
And they were willing to hear his word because he accepted them for who they were. Church, say amen. Dear Heavenly Father, help us now. This is a major attitude shift that we need in our hearts, Lord. 